Hello, my friends. I'm Jonica, and this is the Build Your Bakery podcast, where each week I bring you topics that help you start and grow your bakery. I've built a multi-six-figure business around baking, and if there's one thing I can say about my 27 years in this industry, it's that boy, oh boy, have I learned lessons along the way. The Build Your Bakery podcast is all about sharing that knowledge with you and helping you build your dream bakery. Welcome, my friends. Let's dig in. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Build Your Bakery podcast. I'm so excited to be here with you today. It's episode number seven. Can you believe it's been seven whole episodes? The first week that they came down, three came out, and then this is our fourth week since. I'm so excited. So as I told you guys last week when we were talking about pivoting, it was really, really difficult for me to come in and sit down and record that day, but I was pushing through and I was here and it has been a heck of a week since, but I'm here. It is Monday again. Today is October the 9th and it's two days. You guys will hear this on Wednesday. So here I am. I'm here. We are going to do this and get it out the door. So here we go. Today, we're going to talk about team building, hiring and training staff. If you've been with us those other weeks, We've covered the top 15 things that you need to do to start a bakery. That's episode one and two. Number three is finding your niche. Four, we talked about wholesale and retail. Episode five, we talked about packaging. Last week, we talked about pivoting. And today, we're going to talk about team building. Team building is a big thing for me. So when we talk about team building, I'm always going to tell you that the most important part of my bakery is my team always. I could not do what I do without my team. The importance of building a strong team, it's invaluable to your bakery's success. It is the single most important thing that you will do in building your bakery. Yes, you need to build a brand. Yes, you need quality products. But if you don't have a solid team, you're wasting your time. There have been many times that I've done this very well. And there's other times I haven't. I'm human. I will be the first to tell you that I'm a real person. I can coach you how to set up and run a successful bakery. I'm happy to coach you to do anything, but I am a real person. I make real mistakes and I'm here to tell you what works and what doesn't work, what has worked for me, what has not worked for me, and try to help you not make some of those mistakes. But you'll always get the real deal from me. Now, when we're talking about staff in a bakery, They are vital, guys. They are the face of your business. They are the creators of your product. They are the ambassadors to your brand. They directly impact your customer's experience. And that's going to drive repeat business and positive word of mouth, or it could break it. These are the people, your team, that's who your customers are going to see first. Now, I didn't start out with a big team, okay? I started out in my first bakery with me. I don't know really how I thought I was going to do that. I guess because I had done it just me as cottage law, just me in my bakery at home, just me for many, many years. I did the baking. I did the marketing. I did the decorating. I did the delivering. I did the setup. I did all of it, right? So when I stepped out into my first brick and mortar, I guess I thought that I was just going to do all of those things. And what ended up happening is it was a disaster. I would bake the products during the day. 
I would sell and take care of the customers if I didn't get everything baked cake-wise. So take, for instance, it, it's a Friday and I have cake orders due on Saturday. I help customers all day. I would bake all night, decorate all night, and then be there all day on Saturday for customers to pick up and then go home and crash. And I had a toddler at the time. My son was 19 months old. He's 15 now. He was 19 months old when I opened that first brick and mortar. And you can only do that for so long. I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that for an extended period of time. So about a year in, I had a lady come and tell me how much she wanted to open a bakery. She and her daughter were so excited to look for a bakery place, and I sold her mine. And I'm telling you, when I got that check and ran out the door, I couldn't get it quick enough, y'all. And the reason is because I didn't put in place an excellent team. Over the course of that year, I added a few people. I had one who I absolutely couldn't have done what I did accomplish without her. Had her in my first two bakeries. She was amazing. She was my right hand to absolutely everything. But the reason I'm telling you this is because you have to build a team. You have to build in roles. If you're doing this by yourself, you cannot continue to do it by yourself forever. You will burn yourself out. You will crash and you will burn literally. Okay. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the different roles that I have in my bakery now, kind of what that looked like when I opened and how it's evolved over the last five years in this bakery. Now, keep in mind, this is my third bakery. I know a whole lot on this subject about what not to do, and I've learned a lot of, about what works, but I can tell you from those first two and even my second bakery, I had six or seven employees. So I learned a little bit more there, but I'm going to tell you in this one, in this Jonica's Bakery that I have in Gunnersville, Alabama now, I opened it with staff. I opened it fully staffed with about six people at the time. I have 12 now. Let's talk about what those roles look like. I have my kitchen staff, which we call it the front and the back, front and back middle, I guess. But the back of our bakery is our kitchen. I have three full-time bakers, and when I opened at this location, I had one full-time baker. So now I have three, but when I opened here, I was still decorating everything up front, doing product development, helping customers. I had one baker full-time in the back. She worked six to two, and she would get everything baked during the day. We came up with a very good process for rotating things out when we could bake them, what their shelf life was, all of those things have to be done. And I'll do another episode on those processes. But when I opened, I opened with one in the back. I opened with several part-time people up front and then up front with me decorating and helping customers and then another full-time person up front. So I would have somebody come in early in the morning and start to get the front open, decorating cupcakes, putting those out. And then I had other part-time people who rotated in and out during the day, and I had my back person, and then I had me. Well, about six months into this bakery, my son at the time I opened this one was about 10. I adopted him at birth. He was just a few hours old when I got him. And when I opened this bakery in Gunnersville, I did it because I was bored, okay? I'll never utter those words again in my life. I'm very thrilled but I'm no longer bored, okay? The bake- This town needed a bakery. So I opened the bakery here about six months in. My son's birth family calls. His birth mom is 38 weeks pregnant. And could we take this baby also? Well, I answered yes immediately. 
This was over text message. I answered yes, absolutely immediately before I even said anything to my husband. And so six days later, we were in the OR with a baby girl. So I went from being bored to now I had a bakery and and a newborn and my 10-year-old. So I immediately had to rely on the people who were there with me. I had a couple of full-time people, I guess. About six months in, I had hired one more full-time person. So I had me, three full-time people, and three part-time people. And I just layered those in. Well, once I got that phone call and all of a sudden I had a brand new baby girl, she was in the bakery with us a lot, but I had to rely on them because I was in the hospital with her for five days. We were in the OR when she was born and we were in the hospital for five days with her. So I immediately needed my team. And that's where I started really learning to rely on a team and also learning that I could let go of some things. I am a control freak. I like to have control. I like to know what's going to happen. I really would prefer to control the outcome of what's going to happen. It doesn't always work very well for me. So I had to rely heavily on people who were there and helping me decorate and helping me run the bakery. That in turn let me understand how much I needed to develop these people. So most of my developing these roles and turning loose of something came from that experience of me being out. And I hear that so often from people who are in my business mastermind, from my business coach, from other people, that something happened in their life where their team had to carry forward. They had to rely on somebody or nobody else knew how to do something. And that's why I'm really heavy on telling you guys to put in systems and processes. Part of that is developing your team. So what you want to do is you want to Take something off of your plate and bring in somebody. If that's somebody to bake, fine, let it be your baker. If that's somebody to help you decorate, help you scoop cookie dough, whatever that is, start laying those people, layering those people in one at a time, okay? So right now, I have 12. I have three people who are full-time in the back, and the rest of mine are decorators full-time and people who help the front. Now we have a big lunch business as well. We've added paninis and um, other sandwiches and wraps and salads and things that people can get. So we are also cafe, not just bakery. So I have to have a full team in the morning. People come in and get the cases ready. We have four cases of all different types of goodies every day. And then we have our lunch prep. So our eight o'clock person, our other people start about five. Our eight o'clock person comes in and gets all of the lunch stuff prepped and gets that ready. Then I have my decorators. And so I have, that's kind of how they are laid out on a a daily basis. Then in the afternoons, I have a couple of part-time people who come in and I always tell them when I'm interviewing them, they're coming in to help kind of dig the other people out. People that have been here since five o'clock, six o'clock, seven o'clock in the morning. And by the time they get to the afternoon, they're exhausted. We work hard. So they need somebody to come in and help them clean up and reset the bakery and get all the dishes washed. Even though we do dishes during the day, they still need that help. So that's kind of the the staff that I have right now and what their roles look like. So our back end people, our kitchen people are responsible for getting all the cakes and cupcakes baked. All of the bars that we have, they make and prep our chicken salad, our pimento cheese, our sausage balls, our pasta salad, and then like German chocolate icing, any cooked icings that come out of the back. That's what the back team does. And they that's all they do all the time is produce that stuff to send up front. 
Then my prep people help the customers. They prep the lunch, get all of our lunch meats and chicken salads, our scoops, all the things that we're going to need, bread, croissants, all of that prepped for lunchtime during the day. And then after lunch is over, then they tear all that down, pull all of that back apart and get it ready for the next day. Then our decorators come in in the morning and get all of the cupcakes out. This is where the specialty flavors of cupcakes come in. We have a team meeting. Um, right now, I have one who does an excellent job at getting out and developing the flavors. So we do those by the seasons. And they come in, put the icings on the cupcakes, anything extra that we're going to do, and get those in the cases. The first team that comes in in the morning also lays out cookies. We puck our cookies. And I don't know if I've, I know I've talked to you guys in Build Your Bakery about this, but I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast yet. We um, we make our all of our cookie dough in-house. We puck our cookie dough, scoop it with an ice cream scoop with a disher, and put it on pans, flash freeze it, pull it apart, and put it in bags. That way, all we have to do is come in in the morning and lay those out and bake those off. It also enables us to have a different business model than what other people have um, that come in and just bake what they can bake and then they're sold out. We bake all day. So pucking our cookie dough enables us to do that, enables us to have 12 to 15 different flavors a day. So our front end people come in in the morning and get the cases full with cookies as well. So cookies, cupcakes, bars, chicken salad, pasta salad, pimento cheese and sausage balls get made every day. And it's a lot. And if I, if you don't have those people in place who are trained in each of those jobs, it doesn't work. So the, for each one of those roles, they have to have a certain skill set, right? My bakers, doesn't really matter if they can decorate a cupcake. Doesn't matter if they can make icing. I need them to know what they know about baking. I need them to know when cake is done. I need them to know to pull it from the pan because it's going to continue cooking when you take it out of the oven. Don't just sit it up there to cool in the pan because if you pull it out when it's done and you sit it up there in the pan, it's going to continue cooking and you're going to have an overdone cake. So it's important that they know all of these things and they are trained in their position. The same for the front staff. They need to be trained in customer service skills. How do we deal with the customer? How do we answer questions? How do we fill this order? Cookies need to be packaged a certain way. Cupcakes need to be packaged a certain way. Those are the things that represent our brand. The people in the back need to know what that product needs to look like when it comes to the front. The people in the front are the last set of people who lay eyes on the product. So if something's not right, they'll call it and they'll send it to the back to the back. Something's not right here. And so it's just that open communication, but they have to have the training for what role they're in. Our decorators obviously have to be able to decorate cakes. They have to be able to make certain flowers or make certain decorations that go on these. Not just anybody can do that. So when you're developing these job roles, that's what you need to think about. Now, my developing these job roles came because I was in those job positions. I knew exactly what those looked like. Now that we've gotten so much bigger, there are roles that we have created that I haven't touched. There are lunch roles that when they go in, that my team has taught other people who come through because we decide on the sandwich that we're going to make. I decide how we want it to look and we do it that one time and I hand it off. I don't have to recreate it on a daily basis. 
So those people have to be trained specifically in those areas. Now, we cross-train as much as possible, and it also prevents us from getting stuck or not being able to produce something if somebody were to walk out the door or somebody were to have an accident. In April of 2021, my head baker, she had also been a decorator for me at the time she was in the back and baking, fell off of a ladder roof high and broke her leg and broke it very badly. Had to have surgery to repair her leg. She's very lucky she didn't lose her leg. And so in the blink of an eye, just overnight, she was out. And I mean, out for good. She could no longer stand, even once she was better, could no longer stand and and have that role in the bakery that she had before. She did come back to work for me later in another role, but that's not something she could not be a somebody who was on her feet all day, every day going forward. And if it had not been for other people already being trained in some of those areas, then we would have really, we would have hurt very badly. And there were some things that we still had to train on. We still had to go back and regroup and figure things out, or I had to come in and train somebody on something. So the more you can cross train your people, the better off you are. You can step out in other roles or somebody can go on vacation. Right now, my head decorator is on vacation. Somebody else is feeling her role for the week. And that's wonderful because the the person who's in that role has been there before. It takes a little bit of a refresher, but that's something that you want. You want them to be cross-trained. It's, it's really important. The more you can make processes, make videos, there is an app um, a website called Tango, T-A-N-G-O, and it lets you go in and record things that you're doing online. You can set it to click and record and everything that you do, everything you pull up on your computer, it's going to give you a step-by-step on that. That's what we use for some of our processes. Others, we make a video. When we're talking about, I told you guys last week that one of my girls is leaving to go home and take care of her grandmother. She's been with me four years and in a lot of positions. We have cross-trained for just about every position that she's been in, but there's still knowledge that she has that I want out somewhere so that my team can access it. So when she's going through an ordering or going through and explaining something right now, we're videoing it. So they will have access to that information for two reasons. One, for the person who's stepping into her shoes. And two, for anybody else who's training going forward. Anything we want to turn into a written training, anything that we want to put into a digital training. It's all there because we've taken the time to record that from her. So that's kind of how you want to set up and cross-train and the roles that we have in our bakery. Now, the next thing I want to talk to you about is the hiring process. It's daunting and it's very difficult in the day and age that we're in. It's difficult to find people who want to work. It's difficult to find people who are skilled in what we do. It's a dying art. And that it's not just our trade that's having those issues. It's everywhere. A lot of different trades are having the same issues. So what you want to do, you want to put out a job listing. Social media is very effective in doing this. Indeed is also a website that I've used that's very effective. But you want to put it out to attract the right candidates. You want to bakery-specific platforms is a good place to start. Local colleges that have culinary programs. Uh, Social media for your bakery. People who know and are familiar with your brand and want to work with you. They already know what you stand for, and that's a very good thing. 
because they come in and they already know what to expect on a lot of that. But that's the places that you want to put it. Be very specific. Do not sugarcoat what your job is about. Do not sugarcoat. I tell people, every person that I sit in on an interview, what we do is hard work. There is no way to sugarcoat that. I was born without that sugarcoat feature anyway. But you, it's not something that you want or need to sugarcoat to somebody because you don't want them to get in and then it'd be too hard, not be what they expect. You want to attract the right potential employee. So then I bring them in for an interview. I try to go ahead and and weed through a little bit if I can, questioning online. But I like to have people come in in person to interview with me when at all possible. They can email me and send their resume. They can send me something um, via messenger if they have questions about the job. But I don't answer a lot of it. I really want them face to face with me so they can see me, they can understand the tone and for what everything that I'm explaining to them. And also so that I can see them body language and people talking to you face to face will tell you a whole lot about what you need to know. So I bring them in. And the first thing that I say to someone when I'm interviewing them is tell me about yourself. And then you have to listen. I'm a talker. But you have to listen after you answer that question. I'm going to tell you this a hundred times. People will tell you everything you need to know if you will just listen. Ask them to tell about themselves. They're going to tell you the things that are important. Unless they've really rehearsed or been coached on the interview process, which is very rare these days, you're going to get somebody who's going to reveal to you what is most important to them. Their kids, their dog, their this, their that. You'll be really surprised at what you get. Let people talk. The second thing that I do is I ask them what they're looking for. Why do they want to come to work for me? Why my bakery? And I let them talk. And then I ask them what they're looking for. Like, what are their long-term goals? Because let's face it, everybody doesn't want to work in a bakery the rest of their life. Everybody's not looking for a career or to learn to be a decorator or to learn to be a baker. Some of them are just here. They're, they want a job through high school or they want a job through college or they want something while their kids are in school. And that's wonderful. And it, it's extremely important to have several different types of people. You need them. You need the people who are going to be there for a career. You need the people who are just happy to be there and happy to work and have a job because they are they interact very well with your customers. Happy people love happy people, right? Happy people make happy people. So it, both types of people are very important, but let those people talk to you. You don't want to put them in a career position or try to make some, a career out of someone who's in college And they're going to pharmacy school, okay? They don't want to be a baker. They want to be a pharmacist. So listen to your people and cater the positions that you have toward what you both need and make it work for both people. Make make sure that what you're expecting out of that person is the same as what they're expecting out of you. Those are the best relationships that work between an employer and an employee. Then I always explain to them what the job is, what I'm looking for. There are a couple of things I tell my people. I tell them, first off, my biggest pet peeve is that's not my job. And I have a graphic that I show them. If you've ever seen the graphic, you can look it up. You can actually type into Google, that's that's not my job, road graphic. And you can see where 
the truck's coming down and they're lining the road. They're putting the stripes on the road and there's a stick in the roadway. And you see the line come up to the stick, dart out around it, and then go back down. Because it wasn't their job to move the stick, right? It's a very, very good thing to show people. Because that is my biggest pet peeve. If the dishes need to be washed, wash the dish. If the sign needs to be turned on, turn on the sign. If there's a table that's dirty, I don't care if it's your job, go up off the table. It's really easy and even things that are dangerous, okay? If there's water in the floor, I don't care if it's your job to mop the floor that night. Make sure that we're getting that up so that somebody doesn't fall. It's really simple. It sounds very simple, but you would be surprised at how many people have the mentality of that's not my job. I don't want that in my workplace. For us, everything is our job. It's my job just as much as it's anybody's job, even if they are part-time and they work two hours a week for me. That does not matter. And I emphasize that very heavily when I'm talking to someone. The other thing that I do, next thing that I describe to them is kind of how our chart works, how our employee chart works, how we started and where we're going. I want them to see that there's room for movement. When we started, there were just a few of us and I brought in people under me and I taught them those things. You have to have strong legs to come in under you, teach them those roles so that you can move up. When, when you expand more so more than that and you grow bigger, then you bring people in under them and everybody moves up. If you don't have the strong legs, the strong training, the strong people to come in on that bottom, nobody moves up. If those people come in and they're not strong, they're not trained, they don't feel like they're important, then nobody moves up. And that's what I show them and explain to them when they're sitting in front of me. Because someone who's just coming in and they're coming to work in the afternoon, two or three hours a day, and mainly what they're doing is cleaning, they are as important, if not more important, than any other role that I have in my bakery. And I want them to know that. I want them to understand that if they don't come in and do their job properly, the other people can't do theirs. If I have to be doing what I need them to do, I can't do the things I need to do. I can't do the things only I can do. My decorators can't do the things that only they can do. So it's really important, and I try to create that visual for these people to understand how important they are to us and that there is room for movement. I have several people who came to me as that 15, 16-year-olds, their first job, they worked for me all through high school. They worked for me through college. They Even when they moved away for school and they came home for the holidays, they worked the holidays. And those people moved up and then they moved on through. And that's that's okay. That's what you're going to have for some people. But I want these people to understand that there is room for movement. They're not just going to be where they are forever. If they want movement, the movement is there. So that's kind of how I do my interview process and kind of go through that. Now, I've gotten to where I do a like a working interview. I bring them in and interview them. I might bring them back in for a second interview, depending on how many people I'm interviewing. And then I'll invite them to come in and do a working interview. I do have a non-disclosure and a non-compete that I require people to sign. It's not statewide and, you know, 10 years or anything. It's just like a 50-mile, two-year, and it's just to protect my staff, my girls, my recipe, my team from 
somebody coming in and learning what we do specifically, our recipes, and going across the street and opening a bakery. If someone wants to open a bakery, then I will more than happy extend that invitation to them and help them do whatever that they want to do. But I don't want somebody to come in and copy exactly what we're doing right here locally to what we're doing. And it affect the girls that are here and the morale and all of those things. So I do require them to sign that. And I'm very upfront about that. I explain the process. I explain why it is. I also tell them that if they have their grandmother's recipe or they have something that's important to them, or maybe their goal is to open a bakery and they want to use those recipes later, don't bring those to me. If we are looking for a specific recipe or we're looking for something new we want to add to the bakery, sometimes we all contribute to that. We might find four or five recipes out somewhere, test them, combine them, change them a little bit and do those. But I just highly, highly encourage these people, do not bring me grandma's recipe. Do not bring me Aunt Betty's chicken salad recipe unless you want it to become part of bakery's property. And that's another thing I'm very upfront about. I told you guys I was born without a sugarcoat feature. And that's a good thing. You need to be very upfront with the people about what you expect so that they know what to expect and what they can expect from you and what you can expect from them. Then I invite them to come and do a working interview. I cannot tell you the number of times early on that I hired someone and they could show me a picture of what they could decorate. And then it took them eight hours to decorate that. Those are the questions I didn't know to ask early on when they're bringing this picture and I'm looking and I'm going, Oh my goodness, you decorated this. That's awesome. I learned to ask, how long does it take you to do that? How long did it take you to do this? How long would it take you to do that? Well, then I finally learned to put it into play. Let them ice and decorate a cake. Let them come in. I can tell you my my office used to be in the middle of the bakery. There was the front two rooms, the back two rooms. It was kind of in a, just in one long section of the shopping center. It was deep, not wide. It was It was very deep. And so my office was in the middle. And I could tell you about how somebody walked by my office, whether or not they were going to make it. They were either moseying or they were zooming on by. And we laugh because Terry that works for me, she would come out of the decorating room so fast to turn and go down the hallway. She would just about slide into the wall. And we just laugh about that because that's the kind of person you want. You want a person who has the momentum, who has the that natural energy, you don't need somebody who's moping. You don't need somebody who moseys. A bakery environment, a restaurant environment is not a place for somebody to mosey. And there, there's nothing wrong with people that mosey, but there are jobs for people who mosey. A bakery is not one of them. You don't need moseys. <laughs> there's my soapbox for that. But that's how I get to know whether or not somebody's going to fit with my team because my team is on it. My team is going all the time they need a break, they go take a break. They need a lunch, they take a lunch. But when they are on it and they are on the floor and they are working, they're working steadily towards something. They don't need somebody who comes in and doesn't meet their pace. So we've learned to do working interviews. I pay them for it. I pay them the agreed upon amount for whatever I would pay them per hour. And that's what we do. So that works very well. Then we can determine whether they fit with us. And it also goes the other way. They can see if they like us. They can see if they'll fit, if they can keep the pace, if they can have the same attitude. We're a bunch of women. 
I've had one man that worked for me, one young man. He came in and washed dishes for us. He was the brother of one of my long-term employees. And he came in and he washed dishes for us for a season. And bless his heart, I think he was so glad to go to college and not have to wash dishes anymore because we needed a full-time dishwasher for the holiday season. And bless his heart, he just washes he just washed his little fingers to death. And I think he was very happy to get out of what we were doing. And we learned in that, that we probably didn't need just one dishwasher. We needed to rotate it with the amount that we had going through the bakery. So we we learned from that as well. But the reason I'm telling you this is because it's okay to ask someone, hey, will you come and work for me for the afternoon? You don't have to show them everything. You don't have to show them your recipes. You can scoop cookie dough or you can bag cookies or you can do something like that just to see if it will click before you jump all in and hire someone. And you could also do it temporary. You could just hire somebody. If if you're saying, Jonica, I don't want to commit to a 40 hour a week person. I don't want to commit to a 10 hour a week person. Then that's okay. Come in, bring somebody in for just one day or for one season, a couple hours a week for the Christmas season or for the Thanksgiving season. And then if it works ongoing after that, then it can be a mutual conversation after that. You're not committed to it long term. So just do it for a project. Even if it's not for a season, do it for one project and see if you like someone or if someone will will jail. And some of you are in your house. And so it makes a difference to you for somebody who's coming in. Maybe you don't have a separate area yet and you need to bring somebody in and you need to see who that person's going to be. If you want them in your house or anything like that. And I would encourage you to set ground rules, areas that are off limits or just simple things like that if you're bringing someone into your home. But that's what I have for the interviewing process and for bringing people on. Now, when they come in, this is a part that we've gotten a little bit better with over the years. This is a hard one for being in a bakery because when you talk about training, we do on-the-job training. And we usually really need someone when we bring someone in by the time we find somebody good to fit into that role. So we need that person to just jump in and help us. And I tell them that in the beginning. Very rarely am I going to tell you not to do something. Jump in and help where you can, what you see needs to be done. And we might tell you we want it done differently next time. That's great. You will never hear me really fussing or yelling or anything like that. I've never yelled at an employee ever in my life, even when I've been upset. So you you don't want something like that, but you do want to make sure that you have some kind of training program. And we are working on that with the cross training. We're working on that with the videos and being able to come in and have certain things we want to teach them. But the better you can train them, give them an orientation, tell them what the brand is, what you expect, what your company expects, what you expect for your customers, how you expect your product to look, all the things about your brand that we've talked about building that brand, they are the face of your brand. They are the who that customer is seeing when they come in if they are up front. They may not be if they're baking, but they are still part of your brand and they want to feel like they're a part of your brand and your story. So the way you can bring them in and, and do orientation with them and training with them is really important. Now for technical skills, you want to look for somebody, for a baker and for things that you want to make sure they have those skills. And I would encourage you to test those skills. 
to bring them in and have them do those things just like in a working interview for something in the front or a project based make sure that the person who says they can bake can actually bake somebody who says they can decorate can actually decorate and do it to your specifications and then for customer service you want to make sure that they have customer service training schools don't do it now y'all i'm not i don't know of any really that give the on-the-job training or at-school training, customer service training like they used to do when I was in school. So you have to tell people what how you want them to speak to your customers. Questions you want them to ask your customers. Things it's okay to say, things not okay to say. And I'll give you an example. We use Shopify and we use Shopify POS. So their point of sale system, which is what the POS stands for, when you're ringing somebody up, checking them out, you have to flip it over to a customer who's standing in front of you and it gives them tip options. Well, that's very awkward. We didn't have it for a long time, but customers wanted to leave a tip on their credit card. So now when you flip it over, some of my girls were saying, it's asking if you want to leave a tip or they weren't saying anything at all. They were just flipping the screen over. And depending on the person who's on the other side, they may not, they may know what to do or not know what to do or be confused. It's just really awkward. So when I call, when I heard a few of them doing that, I just explained to them, all you want to do is flip it over to them and say, um, you're, it's asking you the first screen. It's asking you to confirm your um, total. So what I tell them is when they flip it over, tell the customer, it's asking you to confirm your total there at the bottom. Then it's going to ask you if you would like to leave a tip, no tip, or custom tip on your card, and then it will let you swap your card. And then it doesn't make them feel like you're asking for a tip, but it lets them know that they can leave one. This is where you would do it for this option, and then it'll let them swap the card. And customers appreciate that. They appreciate when they turn it over, knowing what to do and what's coming, understanding what you want them to do when you flip the screen over to them, and then the card reader will let them tap or swipe or insert their card. So it's just being that clear communication, and those are the things in customer service training that can take an awkward situation and make it very smooth and easy. And most customers will leave a tip on the card. You're not asking for a tip. You're giving them the opportunity. And if you say that to them, it's the way you say it. It's a service to them if they would like to leave it on their card. If they'd like to leave cash, great. If they don't want to tip at all, that's great. But we had so many customers who were asking after the fact, after we would run the card through and they would go to sign their slip or whatever, oh, where do I leave a tip? Because when you go to a restaurant, a sit-down restaurant or dine-in restaurant, most of the time when they bring you the check, there's a place to fill in a tip. Well, the the Shopify POS is not like that. So by flipping it over and explaining that to them, it just lets the, it gives the customer a better end experience with your company. And so sometimes you just have to take those types of things and explain them to your employees, train your employees on how you want them to speak to the customers. And that goes for flavors in cupcakes, flavors in cookies, all of the different types, anything you could have, taking cake orders, the wording and how to do that, um, custom orders, the way you reject an order if you're not going to take a custom order, all of that takes training. So don't overlook that and just assume that the person you're hiring knows that because really it's a developed skill. And a lot of us develop it out of necessity. They're our customers, it's our business, and we've developed it over time 
And we've learned some lessons along the way for what confuses people or what doesn't. So make that a training module. If you're developing a course, make that a training um, atmosphere or a booklet or something for your customer, for your employees when you're bringing them through and training them on those. Don't overlook the customer service training on that end. So next thing we're going to talk about is work environment. You want to create a positive work environment for your people. This is not always the easiest thing to do. You want to listen to your people. You want to talk to them about a positive work environment. A positive work environment is going to boost your productivity. It's going to reduce your turnover. It's going to ensure consistent product, your quality, consistent quality in your product. And so you can do this in several ways. The main thing that I do is always talk openly to your people. Let them know you have an open door policy. Let them know that if you're not in the building, they can call you. They can text you. Um, Some people do this with a suggestion box. If they have a large number of employees or even a small, a very small number, then somebody could drop in if they weren't comfortable with doing that. But I try to always make sure my people know that even if I'm not their direct supervisor, they can get me. Inside the building, outside the building, day or night, I am approachable for them to come and talk to. And then I try, you can't all, you cannot please everybody. Just get ready. You cannot please everybody. But it's important to listen to them and to fix things when you can. The most trouble that I've ever had is when you're left out of something, when employees have an issue with each other, particularly with like cleaning. Somebody's not cleaning the front or somebody's not cleaning the back and then it escalates or feelings get hurt before it ever gets to you. And so that that happened that happened to me recently. It's not something that feels good when you have something like that that maybe you didn't know about. But I always try to fix those. I try to get people together. We don't do drama. I cannot stand drama. We are a bunch of women. Some women can be dramatic. But if we have an issue, I grab those people and we talk about it. What is it? And usually it's miscommunication. Usually it's because somebody was upset and somebody snapped at somebody or somebody didn't do this and somebody had their feelings hurt. Just nip that right from the beginning. Sit them down, deal with it, and go on about it. Let them know that you hear them. Here's the solution. Hey, you guys misunderstood each other. Or you guys have two different personalities. I've had this happen. Personality A and personality B do not mix. Personality B may not like people in general. Personality A might get their feelings hurt easy. So you have somebody who is very harsh and can snap at them. And then this person might cry or take offense to that and not say anything. So sometimes it's just you have to call attention to how people are, that personalities are different and say, this person, this is the way they communicate. You communicate this way. This is not intentional. And here's how we fix it. Sometimes it's that easy. Most of the time it's that easy. And usually if you can stay on top of that or get ahead of it, then it makes for a much, much better work environment. Other things that you can do are like team building activities. This is hard when you have multi shifts, unless you can close for a particular day or a weekend or something like that to do a team building activity, but you can do team lunches. You can do Christmas parties. 
You can do sales competitions. Sometimes we do that where maybe we slice a cake and we're going to have a competition to see who can sell the most slices. We've done that before. But open communication is going to be the biggest thing that you can do to have a positive work environment and really make your team members feel heard and feel valued. You want to praise their accomplishments. You can give bonuses, merit raises. The, there are lots of things that you can do to do that. But taking care of your people and really caring about your people is number one. Always let them know that you care. You have a business to run. Okay. I'm not telling you to cater to every whim. I'm not ca- telling you to cater to everybody's opinion of what they like and don't like. You still have a business to run. And that's important. And it's okay to say that this is the business. This is the way that it has to be. I love my people. I care very much for my people. Sometimes we just have to suck it up and this is the way it has to be. And it's okay to say that. I'm not telling you to cater to every whim. Just open communication will go a long way with that. The last thing that I'm going to talk to you about today is continuous learning and growth. People like to grow. They like to feel needed. They like to learn. They like to grow. Any ongoing training that you can have, cross-training is very good with that. Uh, Workshops or classes, if you can send a couple of them to do a class together, if you can, like one of my girls wants to learn a different kind of flowers, I'm happy to buy the course on that. We can all do that. That's something we can cross-train on. We can learn something new. Social media is great for learning new things. Sometimes my team will bring in something and say, look what I learned, and they'll train everybody. Little things like that that keep people moving forward will make them feel wanted and needed and feel like they're growing. And then feedback and reviews. Um People like to be able to give you, you want to have feedback sessions, you want to have performance reviews where people can talk to you and just be able to guide staff on their strengths and areas for improvement. I have several of my girls that will come to me and say, okay, I need you to tell me how to handle this. And they'll lay out for me what's going on. And you can say, this is how I would handle this. And I think you need to handle it this way. I think because I know my girls and some of them are harsher than others. And sometimes you can you can make it, you know, humorous. You can say, now don't say this, but you can say this and then tell them this is what you expect. So coach them through that, um, even with the employees that are below them for feedback and for giving their own employees. That's how you make leaders. You need to be a leader, but you need to make other leaders within your organization. And that's how you do that is by pushing them to handle some of those things, but coaching them on how to do that. And then giving them that map for advancement. Like I was talking about earlier, when I sit down and I talk to them, I try to give them that map for what it looks like and that we are growing. We have three different divisions now that we didn't have when we started. And I have different people who are running those things. And I'm about to open another one with shipping. So there is plenty of room for growth and advancement, even if you're just, it's just you right now. Let them see what your vision is. Let them see that there is room for growth and room for advancement and map that out for them. It doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to go exactly like that. But people like to know what your vision is and that it is something that's going to grow and you're not just doing this or this for eternity. They want to know that they can grow and they can learn and that they can help you develop your dream. They can help you build your bakery. 
They can help you build your business. People want to be a part of that. Not everybody wants their own business. And that's wonderful because we need people to help us grow our businesses. We need people who want, who love our business as much as we do and want to see it succeed. And in turn, they just want a better life for their family as well. So mapping that out for them goes a long way. Okay, I gave you guys a lot today. So the real big takeaway that I want you to have from this is how vital your team is. Build a team. Take one task at a time off of your plate and give it to that person. Start with small steps. Start with an hour or two a week or just social media or just something that you can get off of your plate and build it. And if you are small and you're thinking, I can't afford this, think about what would one $10 an hour person cost you for five hours a month. If you had five hours a month of your time back that you could work on marketing or you could work on getting samples out for somebody or you could work on getting ahead on something that you do, what would five hours a month give you back? Start with that. Budget that $50 and then grow from there. No matter what level you are, you can grow and develop whatever size team you have. You can continue to develop those. I'm so glad you joined me today on the Build Your Bakery podcast. I will see you guys right here next week. Thank you so much. Y'all have a good week.